CBD oil and products are one of the hottest industries right now. I literally get four or five emails from PR companies and new brands every week trying to get us to post a story about their new CBD this, that, and the other thing. It sounds a whole lot like the energy drink boom 15 years ago when there were literally 20 new brands launching every week and then disappearing just as fast. So what's the deal? What's changed in the hemp industry and legal status that's causing CBD to blow up? And how hard is it to start a CBD brand or business? What other opportunities are there? My guest today is Caleb Simpson, founder of Hemp Daddy's Therapeutics, a premium CBD brand that's going consumer direct. He tells us why there's a boom and what sort of growth and regulation might be coming soon. And some tips if you're looking to get into this fast-growing industry. by Tyler Benedict that explores the startup stories and growth tactics of hundreds of entrepreneurs, plus his own tips and tricks learned over two decades of launching, running, and growing businesses, including BikeRumor.com, the world's largest and most popular cycling tech blog. If you're thinking of starting your own business, the Build Cycle will give you the tools and inspiration to do it right. Now, let's dive into this episode of The Build Cycle. Caleb, thanks for coming back on the show. You are officially my first repeat guest for the Build Cycle podcast. And uh, we interviewed you first with your former company, Bearded Brothers Energy Bars. And you guys have since sold that and you've launched uh, Hemp Daddy Therapeutics, which is a CBD oil product company, correct? Yep, that's correct, and, and it's an honor to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. So I know we want to get to the part about the CBD products and the new company, but just a couple of questions because I think there's a lot of people out there that have also either sold or considered selling something they've built. And so you know, my first question is, what made you guys want to move on from Bearded Brothers? You know, I think for, for us, it was mainly just like the struggle of keeping everything afloat um we we never took on institutional investment so it was it was always like a big major cash flow struggle and there was a lot of debt we had taken on to to run the business and grow it to where it was you know we ended up being in about 2000 locations you know nationwide including you know including REI and Walmart and, and it was just really tough to kind of keep keep that growth going without you know taking on more debt and you know Chris and I we were just in a position you know, we just we didn't want to keep doing that. And our lease was up in the building and we had we had this random acquisition opportunity come to us out of the blue from a another family that was trying to build up a portfolio of brands out of Austin. So we we jumped on it and this is a perfect opportunity. And, you know, I I had this interest in C B D and saw it as an opportunity um to just kind of jump head along into that after a successful exit. Cool. Yeah, you talked earlier, and we'll get to this more, but you guys were actually looking at potentially doing a CBD version of the bar or something, so you'd already kind of talked to some suppliers. So that's, But I'm, I'm getting my head of self, ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, when you sold the brand, how did you value your company? Because for me, I'm thinking a small, privately held brand of energy food, any kind of food, to get 2,000 stores is a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was. And, and like with, 
we, we didn't have a typical multiple assigned to the company like you might see in a traditional exit um, where there's just like massive year-over-year growth. Um, we were a pretty small brand compared to a lot of the guys out there, so we didn't we didn't see this massive exit like you see you saw with RX Bar selling. I can't remember how much they saw. I think it was like 600 million. So it wasn't we didn't sell for anything crazy at all like that. Um, but you know we had the kind of the people acquiring us. They were another small family, or not small, not really small. They had um you know family office and everything. Um, they kind of just look at it from the standpoint. Okay, you grew it to 2,000 stores, and it's going to have to continue to grow. We're going to have to put this much money in to help it keep growing. So that those were all kind of things that played in played into the valuation we were given um, during the exit. Right on. Yeah, it's funny because literally the last guest I had, the prior podcast episode was with the founder of Strive and they make a meat, healthy meat snack product. And he was saying, you know, if you want to grow in any kind of food industry, you pretty much have to take on outside capital to be able to grow fast and wide. And yeah, man, I've, I've seen the truth in that from a oh, personal yeah. standpoint and with other brands too. You can kind of grow it organically and keep it you know, really small measured growth, or you can just blow it out of the water if you got the capital to do it. Um, yeah. Was it yeah, hard exactly. to let go of something that you guys had built from the ground up? Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely hard. It's like, cause we were at this point, it's like, man, we, we don't want to turn the reins over to somebody else. Cause we'd worked so hard to get to, um, where we were now. So I think the main thing that kind of made Chris and I more comfortable with, with the exit with them is we got to keep a little bit of equity. So, we still got skin in the game and there's still a possibility for us to see like, you know, bigger exit down the road since we were able to retain some equity, um, in the exit. That's cool. All right. Let's talk hemp and CBD. So that is a really hot topic right now with, it seems like more and more States are loosening regulations about growing it. And so in your own words, what's the state of the hemp and CBD industry right now? And where do you see it in about two years? So right now it's still it's still kind of the wild wild west. It's like there's there's not a whole lot of regulation, which kind of brings a little bit of struggles for the consumers that are looking for a product. But at the same time, with the 2018 Farm Bill that just passed, that is going to fully legalize hemp from a federal level. It's going to remove it from the Schedule One substance list. So there's there's going to be no more gray areas in terms of the legality of hemp. But at the same time, there's still going to be some states that might come out and say, no, we're not going to allow this. And they can do that. So, But for the most part, this the passing of the 2018 Farm Bill is going to make it a lot easier for everybody, especially, um, especially the retailers that are selling CBD. Because one of the big struggles I had when we first got into this was finding banking and finding merchant processors. And since they passed that 2018 Farm Bill, that should clear things up and allow it to be more easier for these for these companies to come into the market. Um, and at the same time, you know, the FDA is going to be stepping in here pretty soon, probably, and starting enforcing some regulations. And that's going to be good for the consumer because then um, all the manufacturers of these hemp products are going to have to, you know, fall in line with these rules. They're going to be set by the FDA. Cool. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that in a bit, you know, the regulations and how these things are classified. Uh, but just for people who aren't super familiar with it, so a CBD product, you're taking CBD oil, which you can tell me what that stands for because I can't even remember right now. But there's there's a legal limit to how much THC can be contained, THC being the thing that makes people want to smoke marijuana. But, um, you know, only loosely related in that you guys or, or CBD products do not have enough of that to cause really any kind of reaction. 
Um, so explain that real quick. Like, what are the levels? What is CBD, and and what's the benefit? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So CBD stands for cannabidiol. It's one of, you know, like over 200 cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant. So you basically have your hemp plant and you have your marijuana plant. So the hemp plant is where you get your CBD and that will not get you high. It's non-intoxicating. So a lot of people say it's non-psychoactive, but that's kind of somewhat misleading because you are getting kind of, you're getting benefits. So it's like, it's stress relieving. It helps with things like ADHD and stress. So in that sense, it's not completely non-psychoactive. So I like to say it's non-intoxicating. It's not going to, it's not going to get you high, but it is going to, it's is going to change your mind somewhat, but not in such a way that it's going to inhibit you from, you know, driving a car or, you know, functioning, you know, like you need to for work. So it's perfectly safe to take it work. You can take it, you know, driving, operating machinery. There's no issues with anything like that. Um, and so as on the other hand, THC will, will get you high. And you mentioned, you know, kind of the limit. So the limit that is set for that is 0.3% THC or less is considered legal a legal CBD product, and it's not going to be regulated. It's not going to be considered a THC product if it has 0.3% or less. And so anything you see on the market that's labeled CBD is going to have 0.3% THC or less. And that means that legally you guys can ship anywhere in the U.S.? Yes, that is, that is correct. And especially now with the 2018 Farm Bill, like you can ship interstate you know, with, with zero issues at all. Um, I think we ran into some issues with shipping with like UPS and you, it's funny, USPS had no, no issues at all, but UPS would sometimes, you know, have issues, but now that's going to, you know, all that stuff's going to completely go away. Um, but you kind of talked about like, you know, what are the benefits? It's like, I mean, the benefits are just massive. So the way I kind of like to describe it is like, you know, CBD coming from the hemp plant, you're getting all, most of the medicinal benefits you would get from like THC, from marijuana, but without the high. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to get pain relieving properties. You're going to, you know, it's going to help with stress and anxiety. Um, so for, you know, athletes, cyclists, runners, things like that, you're going to get the anti-inflammatory benefits, um, the pain relieving benefits. It's going to help you recover faster. Um, for myself and for almost anybody that takes this, they sleep better, which is just a huge component for, you know, recovery and, and, and who doesn't like to sleep better, you know? All right. All right. But do you get the giggles and the munchies? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> well, that's good. Not at all. Yeah. Good. All right. So, and then just if you could prognosticate for a moment, like where do you see this in two years? How quickly do you think this market and the business opportunities are going to develop? I, I think it's going to start taking off really fast. Like even even within the past two years, like there's this been this massive growth. I mean, there there's a few large players that are probably doing a majority of the market share right now. But that's probably going to start shifting as more people start coming into the market. And at the same time, as more regulations start coming in the market, that's going to start weeding a lot of people out. Um, and, and that's already happening. That's like I've talked to a lot of, you know, CBD shop owners and like and they say one product they carry one day. They're not they're not even there the next day. They've already gone out of business. And so I think this industry, like the people that are going to stay in business in this industry are the ones that are doing things right. They're the ones that are, you know, using, you know, organically grown hemp grown the, in the U S that provide awesome customer service and are out there, you know, teaching and educating people about what CBD is. And that's in the major players in the market right now, you see that that's what they're doing. And I think those are going to be the guys that are going to be around for a long time in, I think this is going to be one of those things like here in another couple of years, it's going to be like fish oil. You know, it's going to be something that people take, you know, daily as part of their supplement regime because 
you know, right now there's still a little bit of stigma surrounding it because of legal gray areas. And, you know, some people might have moral issues because it's associated with cannabis. But I think as people become more and more educated about it, more and more people are going to start using it. And it's going to become very, very mainstream. So the ones that were going out of business already, is it because they were selling snake oil or they just didn't want to follow whatever rules are coming into place? Like why are some players already getting weeded out? You know, it's hard to say for sure. I think it's a combination. I think some of it is some people are selling crappy inferior product. Some people just don't have good customer service. And for some people, it's like a capital issue. Like they didn't, you know, they aren't working hard enough. They aren't hustling hard enough to, you know, grow their brand. So they're just going by the wayside. Um, Yeah. Are you going to run into the same capital problems like to be able to grow this as you guys were with Bearded Brothers? You know, I don't think so because I'm taking a very different approach this time. You know, with you know, with my previous company, Bearded Brothers, we had significant amounts of overhead. You know, we we were running the, the day-to-day operations. We had huge overhead for, you know, the building and the office we're in and the employees. And this is different. You know, I'm taking a totally different standpoint. I'm only going to be selling my product online. I don't have any plans of, you know, going into retail, dealing with distributors. And I've partnered with an organic farm out of Colorado and they're growing the hemp. It's USDA organic. They're growing it and they're doing the extraction. So they're handling all the manufacturing into it for me. I'm handling all the sales and the education into things. So for me, it's a completely different business model. And I think that's why, you know, I'm going to see success in this as opposed to, um, you know, struggling to keep the other one afloat is because I'm taking a totally different approach. I've learned from the struggles in the previous business, you know, how to keep something afloat with minimal amounts of capital. So it seems like new CBD brands are popping up literally every week. And the reason I say it is because I'm getting more and more emails from PR companies about them all the time. So is it super easy to launch a CBD product? Yeah, it's fairly easy just because there are so many companies out there doing kind of like white label type type products i mean which is what we're doing but like at the same time like we've we've selected like a very high quality farm to work with um and so we know that the quality of the product we're getting is is superior like they provide lab testing i do my own third-party lab testing to verify that what they are telling me is correct and i mean there's a lot of i mean it's the same with there's people selling snake oil that are white label snake oil so it's like it's out there um and so i think I'm kind of trying to circle back around here. Um, yeah, so a lot of these guys are selling, you know, snake oils, whatever it is. Um, but it, it's it's fairly easy for people to launch, especially when there's a lot of these farms out there who, like, have such a large crop that they have so much to sell. And so it, it makes sense for them to do white labels for people. So it's pretty easy to get into um, from that standpoint. But it's hard to stay in business. Right. So there's a ton of supply of this CBD. Yes, there there's quite a bit of supply. Like, I to mine all and yet there's no supply issues yet that could change with you know these legalities starting to shift um but at the moment there there's not any supply issues a lot of people will actually this is one of the crazy things about the industry a lot of this stuff ends up getting imported from like europe and china where you have no idea the quality of the product so there's people importing it from over there and they're doing the extraction when they import it over here so you got guys who are doing white label you got guys who are doing you know seed to bottle where they're extracting it and doing everything all themselves um and you got guys who are you know buying the hemp and from somebody else and doing the extraction on their own so you kind of got three different business models and the business models in the mix of you know how the product is getting to the consumer 
Right. And so I imagine it sounds like with the, the loosening of restrictions of the farm bill and, or the, the ability to grow hemp and do all this, that the supply would only increase at least for a while. But it, yeah. supposing that's true, will the prices come down? Because right now, like the high quality CBD products like yours or like the Floyd's of Leadville stuff, it's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're definitely going to start seeing some of the prices come down as supply increases, and also, and I mean, because demand's going to grow grow with that. And the other thing too, I think, like the technology that the people extracting the product are using, they're going to become more streamlined in their production process. Because um, right now, everything with our process is is very manual. It's like you know, the extraction is done through an extraction machine. It's it's like everything is very very hands-on um like the distillation the filling of the bottles is very is very hand done and so like you know once you know as things scale up all these there's a lot more efficiencies are going to come into play within the industry that i think are going to help start driving down these prices do you see the market for growing the hemp itself increasing or are the established players you know the farms that are there kind of going to be the ones that are there. And I'm, I'm asking because I was talking to a friend this week who, and we live in North Carolina or I do not you, um, you know, he, he quit his job. He was looking for things to do. And one of them was, he was thinking, well, I could grow hemp and, and get into the CBD business. But at least in North Carolina, my understanding is to be authorized to grow hemp. There was only a certain number of uh, licenses the state was going to give out. And to get one, you had to have already been in business as an agricultural company and so he couldn't get a license because he had never had a farm before but is that is that going to limit supply in some way or is that going to be an opportunity for more and more people to start growing hemp and become kind of that the base supplier to brands like yours yeah definitely so like there there is going to be still like a lot of restrictions in terms of who can grow it? And from my understanding, I could be a little bit wrong in this, but you know, it's legal on the federal level now. So any state, it can be grown in any state now, but each state is going to have to come up with their own plan and, and submit that for approval. And so each state is going to be different in terms of like, you know, who, who's allowed, how it's allowed and things like that. But this is going to be like, I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for farmers. I've seen tons of articles about this, about, you know, farmers that are struggling because the demand for their particular commodity like you know say whatever it say it's soy or cotton like that demand's going down because they're buying it from china um or whatever wherever they're buying it from it's the, the demand for their product is going down so hemp is just one more thing that these farmers are going to hopefully be able to start growing and so that's going to it's going to be a huge benefit to farmers everywhere once once more and more states start allowing allowing hemp to be grown in their state all right. And then do you know, like, what happens to all the hemp once the CBD is extracted? Do they use the whatever's left for food or for oil or, I mean, not oil, fabric or something? So th- this is the really cool thing about hemp. It's like like 100% of the plant is used. So the farm that we partner with, like, <clears throat> when they do the extraction, like, all the flour and the leaves and everything are, are going in there for the extraction purposes. So all that... You know, there's oil being extracted out of like, you know, 98% of the plant and the rest of the plant is stock. And so all their stocks are sold to be made into hempcrete. And so I don't know a whole lot about hempcrete, but it's like super like economical. It's super energy efficient. Like, you know, you can make homes out of hempcrete basically. And they're like super energy efficient homes. So, you know, all that product 
you know, pretty much 100% of the plant is being converted, you know, to some product. And, you know, the farm you're working with, if they don't extract the flour, they're selling the flour to somebody else for extraction. You know, a lot of people are starting to get really into actually smoking the flour as well because they get all the medicinal benefits of that without the high. Um, it's just it's just another way to ingest it. You know, so people, you know, they take it sublingually as an oil. They'll take it as a capsule. They might vape it or they might smoke it like they would, you know, marijuana. That's crazy. So it seems like there's a whole nother like secondary market for the rest of the plant that could also be a huge business opportunity for people. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, aside from CBD, you got things like growing paper. It's like the season of hemp, the grow season for hemp is like four months. It's like, so you're constantly turning over that, that crop every year. Um, and you can use it, you know, not just make CBD, you can use it to make paper, you can make hempcrete, you know, there's lots of uses for it. I got to ask, did you hempcrete, like concrete, only hempcrete? Yep, exactly. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was guessing, but let me make yep. sure. Um, how are CBD products classified? Are they a nutritional supplement, a food product, an over-the-counter drug? So they're, I, I believe they're classified as a nutritional supplement right now, but like the FDA still has not stepped in for any sort of regulation right now. Um, so it's still this kind of weird gray area in terms of what it's actually classified as. Um, but all that, I think all that's going to start, start to be worked out here in 2019 since the farm bill has passed. Do you, where do you see a headache? Cause I know like with the nutritional <coughs> supplement, it's, it truly is a wild west. It's kind of like, do whatever you want until somebody gets sick and then you, you can try and claim safety. But whereas like, you know, a food product or an OTC drug, you have to prove the safety, sometimes efficacy first, and then you can sell it. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of kind of conflicting information on this. Like the latest thing I've seen is like the FDA came out with a statement and it says, you know, according to us, you know, CBD is it can't. They said something like it can't be put in a food product, um, and things like that. So they're still not like there's still no regulation from the FDA side of things. Like all if you look at you know all the labels, you know, have your traditional you know, FDA disclaimer on it, you know, this has not been evaluated by the FDA, blah, blah, blah. And like, and you can't make any like outrageous claims about it will heal cancer, or, you know, anything like that. So a lot of brands are very careful about, you know, what they say and how they say it. Um, I think another one of the large brands out there was recently like issued a cease and desist for, you know, some of the language they were using. And so like they're, they're, they're aware of the CBD industry and they're aware it's there. Um, and since it has become legal on the federal level, they know they're starting, I think they're take, starting to take customer, like consumer comments as well. Um, so there's going to be a lot more regulation coming from the FDA side, but it's still very, very unregulated right now. Right. Okay. So you guys make three products under your Hint Daddy's brand. You do a gel cap, an oil that's meant to be like use a dropper and, you know, taken orally and then a lotion. Which of those is the easiest for you to produce? So there, the easiest to produce is is the oil because like all the the other two are produced from the oil. So we take the oil; it's mixed in with for the transdermal cream. Like so, we take let's say it's the 600 milligram dose. We take our 600 milligram oil, mix it with um, lipoderm, the transdermal cream, and that gets that product. So there's a little more labor involved in there. Um, the gel caps um, are actually a little more price 
Um, if you're sensitive to price, the gel caps are a little bit a better way to go. Just for some reason, the industry has priced those a little bit different. I think that's because just a lot of people are kind of seeing it down the road from the automation standpoint of what's going to be faster and quicker. So gel caps have a little bit of a better price point, but are, are at this point more labor intensive, at least for you know our production line. But the oils, the oils themselves are like the easiest produced. Hmm. Which one's selling the best for you? Um, definitely the oils. The oils are selling the best, and the transdermal cream is probably the second best right now. And our larger 60 milligram bottles um, sell better, just because from from a price point, from like a per dose standpoint, it's actually a better price point. Oh, that's interesting. I would have guessed the gel caps because that would be my preference, but. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the thing too. It's like one one interesting thing though. Like we only have gel caps in one size right now. It's a higher dose, and so like if you're just starting to take CBD, it's better to start with lower doses and work up. So like I don't usually recommend the gel caps unless you've been taking CBD for a while because it is a higher dose. Um, but for most people, I recommend starting out with oil so they can start with a lower dose and work up to what they need. Well, now I'm curious. What's the downside to taking a high dose? Or like, would you OD on this in some way or what happens? No, not at all. You can't OD on it. It's just, it's probably not going to be as effective if you started with a lower dose and, and worked up to it. Just like the research I've seen, like the kind of the motto that a lot of people teach is start low and go slow. And I don't know what it is about the endocannabinoid system that and how it interacts with the CBD, but starting with a lower dosage and working up is better because like everyone's body is different. Everyone needs a different amount for different things. And like, and you can get to the point you're taking too much, it kind of loses efficacy. So it's always recommended to start low and, and work up. And I'm at the point now in my dosing, I'm probably going to back down um, just so I can start working back up to, to a stronger dose. Cause I feel like the effects of kind of lessened a little bit so i'm kind of trying to work back work back up to a dosage that's working oh, so is it like caffeine where if, you know if you drink a ton of coffee every day you're just kind of going to stop noticing it but if you cut it out for a month and then go back to it it'll be awesome again you know o- only a little bit it's like i mean the efficacy is always going to be there you might notice a little bit of drop off and have to tweak your dosage a little bit so like you know for for my wife she got onto it for kind of wanting to get off her antidepressant medication and she was able to do that but it took a lot of kind of tweaking. I mean, she was, I think she's taking a 40 to 50 milligram dose and she tried it taking it once a day. Then she tried taking it twice a day. Now she's taking it like four times throughout the day, um, totaling, you know, 40 to 50 milligrams. And that that's worked best for her versus taking it, you know, like once or twice a day. So it takes a lot of kind of experimentation to figure out um, the dosage and the frequency of taking it. And, and sometimes you know, it does help to back down a little bit, then add it back in there. Um, so it's, you know, you get the, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but um, the maximum efficacy, I guess, is a good way to say it. All right. Okay. So we were talking last week about your transition from the bar, energy bar company to this. And you said that because you guys had started looking into CBD as a potential additive to the bars, you had already found a supplier. You were kind of a little bit ahead when you launched Hemp Daddies. So which sped this process up, but you know, what are the challenges in launching a CBD brand? How hard is it to find a good quality supplier for the raw ingredients? So it's like, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's hard to say for sure. Like how hard that is because I got pretty fortunate. Like I, I, I'm from Austin and I stumbled across these guys in Austin. 
like just by ha- happenstances heard their CEO on another podcast, you know, we met up for beers and like, you know, started talking about it and just, you know, hearing about their operation, how their farm was family owned, they were doing it organically. And just from the research I'd done online, it's like, well, wow, these guys are, are doing it right. Um, you know, and I was able to go out and visit their farm and verify everything they were saying was true. So I, I got pretty fortunate in finding an awesome partner right out of the gate. But like, you know, like important things to look for is, you know, are they growing the hemp locally? Are they growing it organically? Um, mo- most people growing it in the States are just because it's a very hardy plant. Um, and so those two things like, you know, grow, like extracting it full spectrum CO2 extraction versus, you know, an ethanol, which is just basically bathing it in alcohol and siphoning off the CBD when it, you know, extracts it. Uh, but CO2 is more of like pressurized, you know, with liquid CO2, it, it gets pressurized out. And the final, the final, final product has like no solvents whatsoever. Um, and so like they were doing the extraction techniques, you know, spot on, it's full spectrum. So in the cannabis plant, you have a whole array of different cannab- cannabinoids and, when it contain, contains more than just CBD, they call that kind of the entourage effect because it all works together in harmony for like maximum impact and results. And some brands, you know, will isolate the CBD. Um, and some of the research I've done say the isolates have their place sometimes, but um, there's a research done recently in Israel where they studied the efficacy for pain um, with a full spectrum CBD versus a CBD isolate. And they found that that full spectrum CBD was way more effective and so that's one of the things I was looking for when finding a partner with somebody that's doing like a full spectrum CBD versus versus an isolate. Hmm. And it sounds like a lot of those things like the organic farming, the CO2 extraction, the full spectrum, all that. Those are also the product benefits that would make up a quality product and that you have. So how do you communicate that in your marketing? How do you get people to understand why your product is superior than to you know something else? Yeah. So for me, it's just lot, lots of education. I, I do that through through blog posts, through a, our YouTube channel, and through Facebook and Instagram. So just kind of all those all those channels, just doing my best to you know put out articles and content to educate people um, on you know what to look for in a CBD. You know, and it's like I even tell people if you find if you find something else you like better, go with that. But I'm one of my main my main concerns. I want to educate people and make sure you know, they, they find a product that they're happy with. Right. What is the shelf life on these products? Cause you know, oil, typically oils can turn rancid after a while. Is it the same with this? Right. Yeah. So our, um, you know, I don't know all the science behind it, but you know, we, the shelf life on our product is about two years. So BT oil. So that's an, kind of another thing. A lot of different brands, we use different things. Some people use, um, I'm trying to think what I've seen hemp, so hemp seed oil used as a carry oil. Um, MCT oil is a pretty common one now. Um, um, I've seen olive oil used as a carry oil. So it all depends. I think it all depends on the carrier oil used as well. Okay. And you were cutting out a little bit. What do you guys use? Um, MCT oil. So, you know, coconut oil. Right on. Yeah, I know just yeah. from having so, coconut oil around the house, that stuff seems to last forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right on. So the CBD oil itself does not necessarily have a shelf life. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I, I can't speak a lot to that cause I don't know the whole science behind the extraction, the distillation process. It's pretty, 
pretty complex. I, I visited the lab and my head was just spinning as they were telling me about this. It's like, you guys know what you're doing. Um, so it's, it's pretty scientific, but you know, and, and as with a lot of products, it's like the shelf life on there is often longer than what's actually printed on the bottle. But you know, it's got like, you know, and the thing about CBD, you want to use it, you want to take it regularly. So like if you buy a bottle, it's not, it's not going to go bad on you. You're going to use it well before it's expired. Right. Is the, in my mind, there's either two reasons why a, a thing like this, whether it was, you know, energy drinks when I jumped into it back in the day or now CBD and hemp, it, there's, there's two reasons why I would think somebody would jump in either because it's just the popular thing at the moment and they want to do what's popular because there's buzz and it's easy, it's an easy sell or the margins are just insane. And that was the case with the energy drinks. You know, they were popular, but the margins were just so good that, you know, literally thousands of people were jumping into it every year until they all had figured out that they had to understand distribution and then they got right back out. Um, So what's the case here? Are they just really good margins or is it just a popular thing or both or something else? So I think, I think it depends on what, what end of, who you are in the industry. I think from the grower standpoint, I think the margins are better if you're a grower, but for somebody, you know, like me as the retailer selling the product, the margins are pretty average in terms of like, you know, a supplement product. It's like, they're not, you know, they're not outrageous. I could tell you they're better than an energy bar margin, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's different. And also, you know, and it all, it's a volume thing too. It's like, you know, once, you know, the production volume goes up, the margins are going to improve as well. Um, but for the most part, like people out there selling it, you know, online or in stores, it's not like they're just making these 100% gross profit margins or anything like that. Um, it's like they're getting good margins, but at the same time, it's not like this really just outrageously high number that, that they're getting. Right. Okay. So what are the biggest challenges in launching a company like this? Yeah, I would I would probably say um, um, startup capital, um, just because you know a lot of these guys. Even if you're doing it, you know, if you're doing a white label, you're going to be facing you know ten to twenty thousand dollars worth of you know a minimum order. That's kind of on the low end. You know, some guys might have a lot higher. Um, I was talking to another guy about starting up a CBD CBD brand. He was looking at investing like a hundred thousand dollars, but that he was just going to get pretty pretty crazy margins on an order that size. So I would say like the startup capital for, you know, initial, your initial purchase price. And if you're, you know, extracting it yourself, you're going to be running into the overhead costs and the extraction equipment and things like that. So if you're, if you're going to be an extractor or a grower, like your overhead costs are going to be, you know, pretty significant um, barrier to entry. But if you're doing, if you're doing it as a wholesaler or a white label, it's like your your barrier entry is significantly lower, but still still somewhat significant. Yeah. What do you mean by white label? So like so when I say white label, I mean so like I've partnered with this organic farm out of Colorado and they're they're producing it for me. Um, you know, it's a so they have their own product as well. So they're basically putting my my label on their product. Um and I can go in there. I'm going to be going in there pretty soon, though, and like kind of tweaking some tweaking some formulas and coming up with my own flavors. Um, so they, it's kind of a they're basically like a co-manufacturer. Okay, like so, private label, sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's private label. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So if somebody wanted to launch a brand like this, um, you know, not hopefully not copying you exactly, but you know, wanted to get into the CBD product business. 
what's one or two pieces of advice you'd have for them? Um, yeah, I would say just making sure you're, you know, you're checking, like checking like the quality of the farm and the extraction facility, you know, cause sometimes if you're working with an extraction facility, they might be buying the hemp from somebody else if they're not growing it. So it is verifying that all the information they're giving you is true, you know, looking the, for the certificates of authenticity, um, just making sure the crop is what they say it is, you know, making sure, you know, doing your own third party lab test to, to verify what they're telling you is true. Um, you know, cause just from some of these other labs I've talked to, there's kind of a lot of shady stuff going on out there with people trying to slip them money under the table to falsify lab reports and just things like that are going on. So it's like just making sure, you know, you're, you're getting a quality product and making sure you're working with somebody who's got integrity and isn't, isn't screwing you around. Yeah. How do you find those labs? Like what's the telltale signs of a good reputable lab to go and have this stuff tested at? So, so I'm using the lab I'm using is called Pro Verde. And so they, what they will do is once they run my lab report, they, there's a QR code on that lab report and you can go to their website with that QR code and, and verify what I'm telling my customers is what they ran in their lab report. So they're, 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 they're showing they're showing the lab report on their site. I'm showing it on my site. So if a customer wants to verify that I didn't go in there and Photoshop and change something up, they can go over to the Pro Verde website and verify that what I'm telling them is true. And so I'm not sure if other labs do that, um, but I know I know mine does, and that's one of the reasons I went with these guys because I knew that they had you know integrity and were trying to kind of be a leader in the industry in terms of you know how these lab reports are done because there's a lot of a lot of people out there just flat out falsifying them. Right on. Well, Caleb, is there anything I'm not asking about this industry? Because I'll be honest, it's not a, a product or an industry that I would even begin to claim to understand fully. Uh, what's what am I not asking you that's important? Man, I would I would say like if if you're interested in CBD at all, like just just do research, dive in, and like just read as much as you can because that's what I did. Um, you know, even back during the Bearded Brothers, when we were, you know, interested in launching in a product, I didn't know a lot about it. I just knew that it had a lot of medicinal and therapeutic benefits. It was from the cannabis plant and it didn't get you high. And I was like, cool, that sounds awesome. But, you know, when I started, for me, I was experiencing a lot of like chronic pain from, you know, ultra running injuries. And I started experiencing a lot of stress when we were going through the transition of the business. And it was at that point, I just started diving in, just reading as much as I could about CBD and learning, you know, the difference in the CBD isolate and full spectrum CBD and just started seeing all the medicinal and therapeutic benefits of this plant. And it's like, man, this stuff is amazing. Um, and the first product I tried was actually from an MLM and I had good results from that. And I was such a firm believer in this product that I wanted to go out and share it with other people. And that's why I, I jumped into this business is because, you know, I saw the benefits. And so if you're curious at all, if you're struggling with, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, chronic inflammation, chronic pain, um, just like do the research on it and see if it's something you think that might benefit you. And if it is like, you know, research, you know, I can tell you Hemp Daddies is a quality product. Even if you don't buy from us, like, you know, find somebody, you know, that's high quality and, and, and try it out. Um, and I would say this too, it's like, you know, you're going to have a lot of naysayers out there that will say CBD doesn't work. I tried it. It didn't work for me, but you don't know the full story. You don't know, if the product they bought 
you know, what they bought and if it was an inferior product or not. You don't know if they were dosing correctly or if they gave it enough time to be effective. Because there's all these things that kind of come into play when it comes to like dosing and efficacy and how long it takes to be effective. So there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of naysayers out there that say it doesn't work. So I would just encourage people to do their own research and, you know, and figure things out for themselves. Awesome, man. Well, thanks a ton for your time and yeah, best of luck with the new venture. Yeah, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. My personal take on this is that we're going to see a ton of startups looking at CBD as a money grab. So it's refreshing to see people like Caleb getting into it out of a personal interest and passion. Yes, he's an entrepreneur looking to build a business, but he's taking the right steps to ensure a high-quality product, sustainable manufacturing partners, and a lean operation that'll help him grow without needing massive amounts of startup capital. At the end, it's easy to dismiss his closing thoughts about researching CBD to see if it's right for you as advice on whether or not you should take the product. But think about it. Would you just jump in and try it before you knew what it was supposed to do? Likewise, would you just jump in and start a company without knowing what to do? If there was a true market for your idea, how to get it manufactured, what the regulations are? As a serial entrepreneur, I get really excited about some of my ideas and want to just jump right in and start doing something, which is a really easy way to waste a lot of time and money on ideas that may seem cool, but ultimately are not going to ever be a real business. A hobby, maybe, but not a business. So regardless of whether you're getting into the CBD biz or anything else, take a minute, research the market, find top-level suppliers, and make sure you have a real business opportunity in front of you. As always, thanks for listening. As always, thanks for listening. Take a sec and hit that subscribe button or tell a friend or two about the build cycle. Word of mouth really helps me grow this thing so it doesn't all go up in smoke. Here's hoping you're able to relax and think through your business idea and make it a success. Until next time, keep building. Keep building.